This podcast is produced by Benchmark Education. Dyslexia. What is this disability? And how can we best help the children who have it? For Benchmark Education, I'm Kevin Carlson, and this is Teachers Talk Shop. We chose the word conquering dyslexia with early identification and powerful intervention alongside all the social emotional support for these children, we can in most cases really prevent the manifestations of dyslexia. That is Dr. Jan Hasbrook. Her research and writing about reading assessment, coaching, and second language learners has been published in numerous professional books and journals. Her most recent book, is Conquering Dyslexia, a guide to early detection and intervention for teachers and families. In this two-episode series, Dr. Hasbrook talks with Kimberly Kern, a national literacy consultant for Benchmark Education Company. Kimberly provides professional development to educators across the nation in evidence-based literacy instruction. She has been a classroom teacher, literacy coach, and reading specialist, and she is currently working on her dyslexia therapist endorsement. Their conversation today, common myths about dyslexia and the facts that debunk them. Jan, before we get started uh, in talking about those, I know that a lot of our listeners do not know what dyslexia is. So could you answer that question, question, what is dyslexia? Yes, well, yeah, how much time do we have to talk about What is dyslexia? It's, of course, what we should start talking about because that's the topic of these podcasts. Um, And I don't mean to be flip about the idea that it could take a long time to discuss because it is is complex. Uh, We're learning a whole lot more about it from research, especially, I mean, it's just exploded in really the last 15 years because of technologies that we have to understand how the brain works better than ever. But uh, when I was getting ready to write this book, I read, of course, as much about dyslexia as I possibly could to bring myself up to date, make sure I was reporting the best and most current information. Right. And I decided to use the um, the definition of dyslexia from the International Dyslexia yes. Association or IDA. I'll probably exactly. refer to that again as IDA. Um, and it's it's complex. It's a it's a long def- definition. Yes, it is. I have not committed it to memory, but <laughs> but when we talk about what dyslexia is, IDA, which is probably the most widely used definition, does start off by saying dyslexia is a specific learning disability. Yes. Um, And that is a term that right there, stopping even right there, Mm -hmm. is one to talk a lot about because SLD is actually a terminology based in federal special education law. And that is interpreted differently um, in different states. So the fact that dyslexia is defined as an SLD, um, when we talk about serving these children, that itself has implications. But what we do know, they go on to say that it is uh, neurobiological in origin. There's been definitive understanding that it has a genetic component, you're born with it, like all neurobiological concerns, it exists on a spectrum. So you can have very, very mild dyslexia, which may never be identified um, or even really manifested in 
in your life or extremely severe, which makes everything related to literacy a big challenge. But the other part of the definition is the characteristics and how what what is the, the challenge of dyslexia and the challenge of dyslexia um, has to do with word recognition, yeah. uh, which then affects spelling, decoding mm -hmm. and uh, ultimately fluency. And then down the road, um, because children with dyslexia have trouble reading words, they have problems with comprehension. But we do know when the definition goes on to say that difficulties with comprehension is a secondary concern. It is not the primary concern of dyslexia. And the causal factors are written into the definition as well, that we do know it's neurobiological. We've identified what part of the brain, it's uh, a, an area in the left hemisphere right. that these children have difficulties with. And it's very pinpointed in processing, or in most cases, uh, difficulty processing the sounds of language which is you know rather a mystery in itself why do problems with hearing the sounds of language uh have to do with reading words and we've learned so much about those things but it's certainly comforting for us to have a much better understanding of what it really is as complex as it is yeah. we we do have a place to start now in talking about identifying it and uh intervening After the break, Jan shares a personal connection she has with dyslexia. Our learning environments changed dramatically, practically overnight. Educators did an incredible job of adapting, but there's a great challenge ahead. Will students be ready for back to school, academically, emotionally? Benchmark Education is here to support this transition with a brand new set of resources, Benchmark Booster Special Edition. Available in English and Spanish, Benchmark Booster is built to boost unfinished learning, focusing on prerequisite critical phonics skills needed for grades 1 and 2, developed with literacy expert Wiley Blevins, and key grade-level reading power standards in grades 3 through 6. Benchmark Booster prioritizes social-emotional learning and is flexible to fit your new blended back-to-school learning environment. Everything is available in digital and print formats. Student books are provided in take-home format and instruction includes distance learning tasks. Learn more today at BenchmarkBooster.com. really like to ask you about your daughter. The first thing I started reading about when I opened the front page, the front cover, I did not know that you had a daughter with dyslexia. So you bring a different perspective to the table than most of us. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your personal experience with us in, in regards to dyslexia? I'm always happy to talk about my wonderful daughter. Um, and <laughs> even though when we talk about that one little narrow aspect of her being, which is the fact that she's dyslexic, she has all this other terrific, wonderful stuff going on in her life. But I have walked that walk as a parent. And it is 
mind-bogglingly similar to the stories of every parent with dyslexia. Mm. I mean, universally we hear, um, and I experienced the fact that my daughter Lizzie was, uh, she was my second child and uh, her brother was flourishing. He was two and a half when she was right. born. And he was already starting to explore with letters and, and showed interest in reading. Um, and I, so I didn't worry at all. I just suspected she's going to be the same. Right. Um, and uh, just like all parents with dyslexia say their child was, uh, you know, delightful, engaging, bright, enthusiastic about life but really maybe different from some of their siblings. And certainly Lizzie was like that. She just didn't show that same interest in, oh, look at what are those letters and how, <laughs> how do I write words and playing around with rhymes and none of that really interested her. Right. But way back when um, we <laughs> didn't know that those were some early, early red flags. And the problem started as it does for all children with dyslexia. Um, when they start school and the expectation right. is uh, now you need to learn your letter mm -hmm. names and your letter sounds and how to sound out words and how to write words and um she didn't do that in kindergarten and okay not all kindergartners do right. um but she was still struggling with it in first grade and it was second grade where i remember uh her dad and i going to the teacher and saying um this isn't right I was a reading specialist too, which I talk about in that story. Yes, uh, I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yes, and I was a reading specialist though in the 80s. And the information we had in the 80s, dyslexia was being taught in all different kinds of ways because it was all theories. And the theory that I was taught was that dyslexia is not real. Not real. Um, it just means uh, that they haven't had adequate instruction. So when the second grade teacher, her second grade teacher said, she's fine, Jan, she's so bright and she'll be just fine. Um, I, I so wanted to believe that. And it was, right. then we get to third grade and she's not all right. And um, right. I, I shared a, a piece of writing that Lizzie had done. Actually, it was a postcard that she yes. had written from a, from a, a summer camp. And I shared it to, uh, with a friend of mine who was a high school uh, special education teacher. And I said, what's going on here? Um, and uh, I will never forget. She just looked at me and said, Jan, she has a learning disability, which is how we would have talked about it back then. We don't now know, as we've already discussed, that it is officially considered a learning disability, but right. a very, very specific so she's got a learning disability, which we uh, knew eventually to call dyslexia. And from then on, it was tutors and extra work at home and the cascade of emotional consequences of this sure. smart little girl exactly. who looked around like all kids with dyslexia and say, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm trying as hard as I can. All these other kids are getting it. I'm not getting it. What's wrong with me? Having teachers along the way, all the way, all the way through college, who were supportive and understanding and encouraging. Um, she referred to them, and I called it in the book, teacher angels along <laughs> yes. along the way. But she had teachers um, again, well into college, who just implied, "You're not trying hard enough. Um, you need yeah. to try harder." And Every parent with a child with dyslexia knows there is no possible way for them to try harder 
they they exactly. are absolutely trying as hard as they can. So yeah, my story mirrors though the story of yes. so many parents of those uh, not discovering it early, watching them suffer in school, and the heartbreak of wanting to fix that. And the frustration uh, yeah. too, the yeah. frustration with teachers and schools yes. that yes. don't understand and don't have the, um, don't always respond appropriately. Some common myths about dyslexia, debunked after the break. If you're a teacher, Benchmark Education invites you to select the free ebook library of your choice specifically curated for families and educators to use at home, K-6 English, K-6 Spanish, or K-6 Dual Language. Each is supported by a free, idea-packed, at-home family guide. Simply sign up to get instant access when you go to benchmarkeducation.com slash distance learning. Let's go ahead and dive in a little bit uh, into your book with the myths of dyslexia. Okay. You saying over and over and over about how bright your daughter is and how bright these other children are. And I can say brilliant, brilliant children. That leads right into one of the most unbelievable myths. I just could not believe it when I first heard it. Would you share that with everyone, what we mean by that? Yes. Much of what we're understanding about dyslexia is coming from research just in the last 15 years, mm -hmm. 15, 20 years or so, because our understandings are emerging and evolving from the research. But there was long held belief that uh, dyslexia somehow uh, was manifested uh, solely or, or most significantly in children with very high IQs. If those children with high IQs mm -hmm. still struggle with reading, that's what we will call dyslexia. That was another theory that we now know is not true. Uh, although a lot of children with dyslexia are uh, on the high end of an IQ scale, and that itself is worth a lot of discussion. What do we mean by IQ? It's, it's, right. a, it's itself a construct that is measured in ways that are often found to be um, controversial, but but I think all of us who work with children or our parents, we, we do understand that there are children who are whose brains are just exceedingly um, uh, gifted and bright and, and others, most of us are just in the normal. And then there are other brains that, whether we call them low IQ or, or lower cognitive functioning or whatever. But now that we really know what dyslexia is, we can actually see it, um, uh, at, it during brain scans. We do know that uh, dyslexia is not associated with IQ in any way. Uh, yes, some of our children with high IQs do have dyslexia and it's so noticeable that maybe that's why we've talked about it for so long. They're so bright, they're so skilled in just about everything else they do except this one thing. But there are equal numbers of children in the average range of, of cognition and there are children with low cognitive abilities who also have dyslexia. It's just one of another one of their many challenges. Right. Well, I when I first started learning about the myths and uh, the actual facts around it, I was kind of on the side of not realizing with them having a learning disability that they were higher performing students. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, when we received, I, I did a lot of research with IDA and that kind of thing, but looking at a lot of the information, most people would not realize that people like Albert Einstein or Leonardo da Vinci or uh, even Jennifer Aniston or Steve Jobs. <laughs> you know, when you think about uh, a learning disability, we don't connect it with success. Mm -hmm. However, what we know about students with dyslexia is they have most of the time that average IQ, if you will, and higher and contribute so much to our society uh, because of those. Some people argue if it's actually a gift, you know, mm -hmm. disability, but that would be another conversation altogether. Yeah. Uh, but could you just answer the question, why you entitled your book, Conquering Dyslexia? Yes, well, um, I want everybody who reads this book to understand the um, encouraging information we have over the last few years from dyslexia uh, as we understand more about what it really is and understand more about what we can do about it to help those brains become functioning um, better in that in the language processing um, we have such powerful intervention tools, assessment, identification, and intervention tools that um, my fellow researchers are using words like overcoming dyslexia, as, mm. as Dr. Sally mm -hmm. Shaywitz writes about. Right. Um, we chose the word conquering dyslexia because with those, with that notion of early identification and powerful intervention alongside all the social emotional support for these children, um, we can, in most cases, really prevent the manifestations of dyslexia. We can prevent the challenges if we can do these this work. Um, and so, prevention has a has a connotation of we can prevent it from even happening, which is not true because it's neurobiological. Right. It's organic. You're born with it. We can't we can't erase it or prevent it from happening. But right. there are researchers, Dr. Nadine Gab, who is one of the premier mm -hmm. researchers in dyslexia in, in this field. Um, uh, Dr. Jack Fletcher and colleagues, they do talk about preventing dyslexia in terms of preventing the consequences of dyslexia. But conquering dyslexia is a optimistic um, and powerful word. We have tools in our toolkit as parents um, and uh, teachers and others uh, who support our children that we can do this. And I wanted to be sure that we approached the challenges of dyslexia in a very positive way. Thank you, Dr. Jan Hasbrook, for the insights on those myths about dyslexia. Thank you, Kimberly Kern, for the conversation. And thank you for listening to Teachers Talk Shop. Next time, we continue our two-part series about conquering dyslexia with The Case for Early Identification and Intervention. Again, Dr. Hasbrook's new book is Conquering Dyslexia, a guide to early detection and intervention for teachers and families. I'm Kevin Carlson. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Jan Hasbrook. I am the author of the book Conquering Dyslexia. I've been working as a professional reading educator for over 40 years. I have two children, one of whom has dyslexia. 
I understand what it feels like, the pain, the anguish, the difficulties that dyslexia presents around reading, writing, and spelling. Helping students who have dyslexia is not easy, and it's important that families and teachers have the latest research on how to help. Now, author, educator, and researcher Dr. Jan Hasbrook has developed a resource designed to do just that. So those two sides of my life have come together so that I could do a real deep dive into the research on neurobiology and neuroanatomy, as well as educational research, and put those together in a way that would be understandable and helpful to everyone in the circle of support that helps our children with dyslexia. In Conquering Dyslexia, Dr. Hasbrook shares the instructional approaches that work best for children who have this disorder and the most current information for parents so they can advocate for their children and communicate with educators effectively. Louisa Motes, author, researcher, and former vice president of the International Dyslexia Association, writes, Conquering dyslexia dispels the myths about this common condition, replacing them with contemporary, accurate, and highly understandable information. I do hope that conquering dyslexia will be helpful to you, whatever role you play with a child with dyslexia. That is my goal for my book, Conquering Dyslexia. Conquering Dyslexia is available now at BenchmarkEducation.com, published by PD Essentials, an imprint of Benchmark Education. Thank you.